Well, this week on part two, Won't Someone Think of the Children, we dive in deeper with another special guest speaker giving us her insights on what it's like to teach distance learning, the struggles she's encountered, and the fears that she faces with the possibility of reopening schools. I'm your host, Ashley. I won't be joined by my lovely co-host today, Michael. He's out saving lives. So without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Critical Sodium. The past couple weeks, we finished up part one, and this week we will be wrapping up part two. I will be your host today, so I will try to keep you guys entertained. But first, let's talk about you're hungry, and the refrigerator is out of food. You need groceries, and you're tired of eating fast food, but you don't want to stand in a line for 30 minutes outside a grocery store in the hot sun. Or you're within the high-risk susceptibility to getting COVID, and maybe you have the anxiety of going grocery shopping, and people around you are coughing. Try out Instacart right from your couch, on your phone, iPad, or laptop. They have multiple stores available. Shop all your favorites on a single order. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money with delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Michael and I tried it for the first time the other day, and we had a great experience. Following the link in the show notes, let Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Okay, now let's get back into what we're going to discuss today. Today we have a special guest speaker, a teacher from South Texas, Christina, who will be joining us today. And I kind of want to just jump right into that because if you've been watching the media, you know that the hot topic continues to be, do we reopen schools or do we continue distance learning? We all know that in-person learning is superior to distance learning, but given the situation that we're in and we have never really been in, is it better to continue in-person learning versus distance learning? Even though statistics has been showing that kids are less likely to contract the virus and less likely to transmit it, there's still always a possibility that they still could. And also, teachers aren't kids. They are capable of getting this virus and they are very capable of transmitting it, especially if they're within the high-risk population. And kids who are being raised by grandparents, that's another worry. I have spoken to a few parents in the East Texas area who have informed me that their district is opening school later in the year. So their school will start out with distance learning and then they'll transition into in-person learning while other schools are giving parents the option to continue distance learning and other parents the option to do in-person learning. So they're kind of leaving it up to the parents and the family which I think is a great option because I don't think this is a one-size-fits-all type of situation. And I do want to say one more thing before we hear from our guest speaker. The AAP did change their statement from the last time we spoke with our first guest. They took a few steps back a couple weeks ago, changing their statement to include the public health considerations with reopening schools instead of saying we should just reopen schools. That is still their primary goal, but they wanted to make sure that everyone knows that the public health considerations with reopening is a priority as well. Okay, with that said, let's welcome our guest speaker. Hi, I'm Christina, and I teach first grade in South Texas. So our last guest teacher taught ninth through 12th grades, so his students were more self-sufficient than younger students. And with you teaching a younger crowd, I'm sure most of your communication and interaction was with the parents. 
So what were some of the issues you dealt with while having to adjust to distance learning with your second graders? I personally had to self-teach myself as well as fellow teachers how to set up and use the programs needed for distance learning in a few days time. Then after setting up and becoming familiar with the program as much as possible, I then had to help the parents and students to log in and navigate it for the first time as well. And with younger students, they're not as familiar with the programs needed as they are used more so in the upper elementary to high school age children. Right, exactly. So would you say that your school district prepared the teachers well in advance to be able to make this transition to distance learning? That way y'all didn't struggle as much? Did you feel like you were well prepared? I feel that they tried their best given the circumstances, but I think that we could have been better prepared and been aware that our students needed to be on these online programs and be able to log in more self-sufficiently so that they were more comfortable with it as well as the teachers. And then I think it would have been a better transition. So would you say the most difficult part of distance learning is having to work the technical side of things? Yeah, I I would say that the technical side of it all was a very hard difficulty as we didn't really have any clear, concise, um, you know, guidelines as what was expected. And then also for the parents and students to be able to understand what they needed to, you know, do and how to turn in their work and how to get it done correctly. It was just a lot of communication that we had to provide. After some time, did they get more comfortable with everything? Yeah, once the program became familiar for the parents, they seemed to be mostly responsive to the material and work we provided. We sent our lesson activities through our online program, text message, and posted it on our school website so that they could try to make, so we could try to make it as accessible and user-friendly as possible. And I even made daily lessons to help the parents and students so that it would be as straightforward as possible. The parents did not need too much help with directions, et cetera, after the initial, you know, routine and everything was established. And once the parents and students set a schedule and knew what to expect, it seemed to be fairly positive, all things considered. By no means do I think it was easy for anyone involved, but I think the attitudes towards all made a world of difference. And I appreciated the support I received from the parents of my students. And we always tell them as the year progresses that we're a team and we are working together to help their child to be successful. So how long did it take you to prepare a teaching assignment over online? For for each day, I would spend uh, 10 to 12 hours, I'd say, for especially the beginning of the week to prepare for the whole week's lessons. So it was quite a lot of time. It was almost like, felt like 24-7, honestly. So you would say it was much worse than doing in person? Yes, I think it took a lot more planning and a lot more communication on, uh, as well as with the parents, as well as with the teachers, and just providing all support we could to help make it be successful. How well were other teachers able to understand the technical side of virtual learning? Did they have problems? I think that the like the upper elementary and like to high school had an advantage of having their students be familiar with the login and submitting of work through our online program. The teachers were also familiar with the program for grading and feedback and et cetera through that program that we needed. So that was helpful for them. 
And as teachers, I know every grade level from elementary to high school faced many challenges in our transition to distance learning. Although some aspects were smoother for them in some sense, they faced other challenges we may not have encountered and vice versa. Did any of the parents have problems with getting access to hotspot Wi-Fi areas or have difficulty with their internet? Yes, we had some students who did not have internet access or support to help with assignments. Our school did provide Chromebooks for all grades from middle school to high school. And Mm -hmm. then they also uh, provided Chromebooks for any parents that needed them after, you know, the initial setup. We were able to identify those that needed that support and get that to them as well. And the school and the community set up Wi-Fi hotspots in the school parking lots and many local businesses offered their Wi-Fi use from their parking lots as well. Oh, so the student could use that Chromebook and go to one of those Wi-Fi hotspots and do their homework? Yes, that's correct. And this, uh, if they have prepared uh, funds to be able to provide one-to-one Chromebooks from this year coming up on as well. So do you think this fall your school will reopen or will it continue distance learning? I know a lot of schools in California have decided to do distance learning our school has come out and said that they initially were planning to do in-person as well as online teaching, but there are several concerns with that. I just don't see how it's safe to open schools again with the numbers that there are now based on back in March when we closed for the low numbers we had at that time. So how do you feel about reopening schools if, if they make you? I'm honestly scared for my own health as I am health compromised. And I also have immediate family who are health compromised as well. I'm unsure what I will do if schools reopen in the fall. Personally, I believe that the beginning of the year with distance learning should start and then slowly phasing to in-person class, depending on the number of cases is what is the safest at that time. It just does add up with the numbers at this time. If the parents are given the choice to send their students or to have them remote learning, the teachers as well should have, you know, that option as well, because it's hard to teach. It was stressful to online learning. So the fact that if we're expected to do online teaching as well as in-person teaching, that is just an impossible task. We have to draw the line and stand up for ourselves. Don't get me wrong. I'm a proud product of my school district and I love my job. And because as teachers, we would do anything for our students. Instead of standing up for ourselves, every year we do a little more, sacrifice a little more, exploit ourselves at the expense of our health and our own families a little more, and now expects us to mask up and return to school as business as usual while they work remotely or by appointment only. And if you think teachers are only looking out for ourselves, that is completely mistaken. Even the most supportive community members have absolutely no idea what we sacrifice for your child, our children. And also, isn't it at least time that we at least consider ourselves in these conversations? But that argument doesn't hold water. So let's get to the facts. Quality learning cannot take place with constant interruptions when basic needs for safety and security cannot be met without funding and when our leadership blames the only entity keeping the system afloat. There are solutions, lots of them, and there are thousands of really smart educators who are more often than willing to create and implement those solutions if trusted to do so. I do have one last question. Okay. So do you think in the fall, if they make teachers or force teachers to reopen and go back to school, 
do you think there will be a lot of teachers that don't show up or resign or go on strike? Yes, I do, because I know not only teachers, but a lot of parents are not willing to put their students back into that environment because it is not safe. And I know as teachers, there are lots of teachers out there that are actually getting their wheels in order because they're afraid that they could lose their life going back into the school. That's true. Well, Christina, thanks for joining us this week and giving us an inside perspective on what teachers are going through, both in regards to the possibility of reopening schools or to continue distance learning and the fears that you're facing in regards to your own health. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the voice on their podcast and it was a wonderful opportunity. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe. Tune in next time on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. But before we leave, we'd like to say just one last thing. We are both medical providers, but we're not your medical providers. So the opinions provided are only intended for entertainment and educational purposes and do not represent the opinions of any associated employers, nor are they intended to be substituted for medical care or advice. Always listen to your own physician or medical professional for advice regarding your personal health.